0: Good morning, everybody. It is six minutes past nine o'clock here in Hayesville, North Carolina. Welcome to a Thursday morning wake-up call on Sports Country Radio. The eighth day of June, 2023, as we roll along. Skies uh, are sunny down here in North Carolina. We are getting the beginnings of uh, some haze. Some of that smoke starting actually to drift down here, but... My goodness, it has been uh, kind of brutal up in the Northeast. They had to postpone the Yankee game yesterday in New York. Uh, they postponed the Major League Baseball game in Philly. A bunch of minor league games up there uh, postponed. Uh, the New York Liberty women's basketball team did not play their game last night as well. Um, so it is becoming a, uh, a real problem around the country. Uh, they say by the uh, end of the weekend we should be in a much better place uh thank god for that it's it's uh and this is just the beginning of fire season folks so uh you know and and they're saying that a lot of these are because of climate change you know and and we can argue about that till the cows come home we still have people saying it's a hoax which still boggles my mind that we have people saying that you know and uh but it is what it is. Um, anyway, before we get to, uh, to sports, uh, some news that just broke this morning. Uh, Pat Robertson has passed away. And you could make the case that Pat Robertson, who lived to be 93 years old and for f- over 50 years uh, was on his uh, little station, uh, the Christian Broadcasting Network and the 700 Club and – You could make the case that Pat Robertson is the reason that we are so fractured as a nation right now. This is the guy that started the Christian coalition. This is the guy that started um, kind of the people in the South blaming everything on gays uh on uh, on, uh, on on all different kinds of things and and saying that you know it's God's uh, way of punishing us this is a guy that was uh responsible for helping get George HW Bush elected a guy who once ran for president himself um so Pat Robertson uh, and, and uh, look I, I'm not trying to demonize the guy he he uh, Uh, But there is no doubt that some of what is going on in our country right now is a direct result of the rise of Pat Robertson's power and message around the United States. But he passes away today uh, at the age of 93. Um, Still some fallout going on over the Live Golf PGA Tour uh, merger. Rory McElroy finally spoke out yesterday, and uh, he, uh, he look. I'll give Rory this: he's consistent, but he's also a, a pragmatist. You know, he said, "Look, I hate live. I mean, I hate them." He said, "I hope it goes away," and I and I would fully expect that it does. But here's the thing: he said, "Look, I see what's happening in sports." I see what's happened in other businesses. It's hard to keep up, you know, when people have more money than anyone else. He said, so if they want to put money into the game of golf, then why don't we partner with them and make sure it's done in the right way? He said, that's where my head's at right now. That's a fair point. Um, you know, it's still hypocritical and, and, you know, (laughs) we'll talk about that a little bit more in a minute. Hypocrisy is everywhere, right? Um, But Rory is still being very consistent about his hate of the Live Tour and saying, look, understand something. Anybody that's part of Live Now has to answer to Jay Monahan, who's the commissioner of the PGA Tour. And he said, um, they irreparably harmed this tour. He said, they started litigation against this tour. We can't just welcome them back in. That's not going to happen. He was adamant about that. So my guess is, is he's had a conversation with people, and Jay Monahan has made it clear, hey, you know, we're not just going to bring these guys back in and pretend something that nothing ever happened. And I, if that's the case, really glad. Uh, he said, look, you know, when it comes to the Ryder Cup, as far as the European tour goes, these guys resigned their memberships in the European tour. He said in order to play in the Ryder Cup, you have to be a member of the European tour. So it's a moot point. They can't play. It's a little bit different here in the United States. Uh, like Brooks Kepka right now uh, has qualified because he was in a PGA Tour event. And you get one point for every thousand dollars you make in a PGA Tour event, and two dollars for or two points for every thousand you win in a major. So uh, he's going to be on the Ryder Cup team in the United States. But Rory says, "Hey, you know, you, these guys resign their membership in the European Tour; they're not playing." So, look, I don't like this any more than Rory or anybody else does. Not that I have anything to do about it, not that I have any say in it, and not that I can change a damn thing about it. But it sounds like that Jay Monahan and the people that run the PGA Tour are going to make sure these guys just don't have an easy path to come back in. There's no question they're going to be allowed back in, but I think they are going to make them twist in the wind for a little while before that happens, and I hope hope that's the case. And look, as I mentioned just a minute ago, Hypocrisy in sports knows no bounds. It's everywhere. I mean, you can start, and we've talked about this on this show before, you can start with Major League Baseball. Major League Baseball once banned Mickey Mantle and Willie Mays from baseball just for working as greeters at casinos. Right? Right? This is a sport that had the Black Sox scandal back in 1919, and they were so worried about gambling in the sport that they banned two of the greatest players in the history of baseball for simply working and as greeters, shaking hands, kissing babies at casinos. And now Major League Baseball is in bed with gambling. It's disgusting how in bed they are. You can't watch a pregame show without having a segment on Gambling on what the best way to wager your money on this game is. Are you kidding me? That's not hypocrisy? We have we have teams opening sports books in the stadiums. Big time hypocrisy. Right? The NCAA for years, they were like, you know, we can't pay players, it's going to destroy college sports. And in the meantime, of course, the NCAA was making all kinds of money off of the labor of these players. Now what do we have? Because of the name, image, and likeness rules, we have schools now have groups of boosters getting together, like in the old days where they used to do these secret deals underneath the table to get some recruit to come to the school. Hey, we'll, we'll, we'll get you booze and hookers so if you'll come play for us. Now It's legal. Now we have booster clubs getting together and trying to come up with these multi-million dollar endorsement deals to lure top recruits from high schools to an individual school. That's hypocrisy of the first order. Right? I mean, so what the PGA Tour is doing is no different. At the end of the day, it's all about the money, and there's a lot of money in gambling. So Major League Baseball says, well, we want a piece of that. The NBA says, we want a piece of that. NFL, we want a piece of that. So it's everywhere. And it's not even just a major sports. I mean, well, depending on how you view tennis. Tennis was, you know, took this big stand. And they pulled out of uh, the women's tour, pulled out of China. Remember that whole thing with the uh, the, the the doubles champion uh, Peng Shui, where she was suddenly, you know, dropped out of view and, saying that a high government official had raped her. So the tourists said they're not going to play in China anymore. Hey, guess what? They're going back. Matter of fact, they're going to have six events in China this year. You know, one of their demands to ever go back to China was, "Oh, well, we want to meet with Peng Shui, and uh, we want a thorough investigation of her sexual assault accusations. Guess what? They backed off of that. How come? Because there's a... You know, billions of people in China, and there's a lot of money to be made in China. Money talks. The recent, the World Cup that was just in Qatar. Qatar doesn't have any any kind of soccer uh, gravitas, and they have a, a a laundry list of human rights abuses. But the recent World Cup was held in Qatar. Why? Because they have billions of dollars. You know, look what's going on with the, with the IOC, with what's going on with Russia. Trying to figure out, A, the whole doping thing, and then the invasion of Ukraine. And data couldn't even stand up to them. They ended up, you know, somewhere in the middle. Well, your athletes can still compete, but they can't compete under your flag. It's hypocrisy of the first order. And Major League Baseball, not only only have they allowed gambling in big time, now they've got one of their teams about to be in Las Vegas. The A's are headed to Vegas, just like the Raiders are in Vegas. But we're worried about gambling, but let's have our teams there. The NFL's got this big investigation going on right now. Where there are a bunch of guys in the NFL of some that have already been suspended, and there's more coming of guys that gambled, gambled on their own teams. But we have the Oakland Raiders in Vegas, and we're in bed with you know with Vegas, and with the gambling hypocrisy. So the PGA Tour, just get in line because it's the same old thing. And I know I, I probably sound like the get-off-my-lawn guy. And look, uh, one of my good friends, the guy that is on this show, Dan Zampano, right? His they, He and his uh, uh, friend Matt have a, a podcast. It's about gambling on football. And I love Dan. Dan and I don't see eye-to-eye when it comes to gambling. But, look, point spreads have been around in the NFL forever. And who of us has never been in some kind of a pool where, you know, whether it's a Super Bowl pool or whether it's a weekly, you know, the old days used to get a card and you'd fill it out and you'd throw in five bucks and you got a chance to win. How many of us haven't done that? I mean, I know I have, Right. But to me, you know, spending five bucks a week on do- is a hell of a lot different than spending, you know, or betting hundreds and thousands of dollars on sports sector. And, look, you're all grown-ass people. You can do what you want. I, frankly, can't afford to lose that kind of money, so I'm not gambling. I don't even like to drop money in a slot machine. I am not a gambler. I'm just not. I, I respect your right to do so. But if you are a professional sports organization, you cannot say that we hate gambling, we're against gambling, and we're going to police our sport, and yet at the same time, with your other hand, be taking money from these gambling organizations. It's hypocrisy. And I get why the Live Tour and the PGA Tour are combining. And just like Rory McElroy said, it's one of those things where um, – Well, if the money's going to be there and we can't make it go away, it's better if we have an an opportunity to help control the situation. I don't know how successful they're going to be, but I get it. I don't like it, but I get it. That's where we're at as far as you know it's just it, 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 everybody's hypocritical I mean you know <laughs> i was I was talking to you know my wife Barb, about this you know the other night i mean it, it it's it's like politicians it's the same thing the politicians will say one thing and then they go do another. it's hypocrisy you know it's it's the Christians that go to church and then the, you know five minutes later you're cheating on your wife or you're saying uh you know Rotten things about your neighbor, or that—that's hypocrisy. How do you t- how do you call yourself a Christian and at the same time turn around and say, "Did you see what they did?" Or making a date to go see your mistress. You know, uh, it, it's it's hypocrisy. You know, and some of the biggest hypocrites are the ones that yell the loudest. You know how many how many. Uh, you know, uh, big time, uh, you know, televangelists or, you know, big time sex scandals have we had in Christian churches, right? How many, and it's the old, don't do what I do. Do is what I say hypocrisy. Um, okay. Let's move on from that. Uh, Big news and and look everybody that listens to this show knows I am not a soccer fan. I would rather watch the grass grow more often than not than watch soccer. The only time I watch soccer and I'll be honest is when the World Cup is on. Why? Because I'm because A it's one of the, it's the world's biggest sporting event you you could argue probably bigger than the Olympics on an international basis. So from that standpoint, you know, I need to watch some of it to at least get an idea of going on. And B, I love this country. And when our country participates in something on an international level and we're, we're going up against other countries, I want to watch because I, I, I want to see our country do well. So that's, that's the extent of my soccer viewing. Like the day I watch um, a Premier League soccer match, is the day my family has me committed to an old folks home because I because grandpa has lost it you know it means it means that I am now uh officially blowing bubbles in my oatmeal seriously that's what i think about soccer now having said that if you are a soccer fan you are thrilled if you're a soccer fan in the united states i probably should say You are thrilled uh, because uh, uh, Lionel Messi is coming to Major League Soccer. The guy that just helped lead Argentina to the World Cup title is coming to play in Miami for Inter-Miami in Major League Soccer. This is a big deal. This is one of the two or three best players in the world. Now, look, he's 35 years old, right? His best days are probably behind him, but this is a guy who has scored more than 800 goals in his career for his, uh, the clubs that he's played for and his, his national team. This is a guy that has seven times been named the world's best soccer player. He's got nothing left to prove. But he's coming to the United States why? Just for something different. To make a splash somewhere else. He he could get more money going to play elsewhere. There was a lot of thought that he was going to go play in Saudi Arabia. Maybe maybe he didn't want to take Saudi Arabian blood money. I'm not sure. But anyway, he he thought, you know, a lot of people thought that he would follow Cristiano Ronaldo and go play in Saudi Arabia. He is not doing that. Um, a lot of people thought that he might go back to Barcelona, where he spent a good part of his career. Not going to happen. He's coming to the United States. He's going to get about $100 million bucks. He could have gotten more elsewhere. Um, and you could make the case this is the biggest boost for soccer in the United States since Pele. And that was a long time ago when Pele came, he he came to North America in 1975 to play for the New York Cosmos of the old uh, North American Soccer League. And he came when he was no longer the greatest player in the world. He was 34, I think, when he came over. But man, what a buzz he brought to this country as far as soccer goes. People that hadn't watched soccer before were suddenly watching it. Um, A lot of people would point to David Beckham coming over here. And, you know, Beckham was a huge name, but he wasn't the greatest soccer player in the world when he came over. Uh, But he spent six years in L.A., and he has actually uh, uh, helped him to to a couple of MLS titles. He's actually uh, moved into becoming uh, an owner in Major League Soccer. So he has invested a lot of his time here. But Messi is probably the biggest name to come play here since Pele. You could, you can, you know, like I said, Beckham came. Wayne Rooney came uh, towards the end of his career and played a year and a half. You know, and he was okay, you know. But Messi has a chance to come over here and be a difference maker. Now, he's coming over to a horrible team. Miami's currently in last place. They just fired their coach. Uh, So it's a bit of a dumpster fire in Miami. But this guy suddenly makes them. Legit. And this is a team that doesn't even, they're called Inter-Miami. They're not even playing in Miami right now. They're playing in Fort Lauderdale, which is 45 minutes north. Uh, They want to build a permanent complex in Miami. But they're having trouble because people don't come. And think about the, uh, the, you know, there's a huge Latin community in Florida. And they can't draw. Well, Messi suddenly changes that. Now all of a sudden there's going to be butts in the seats because people are going to want to be able to come and see a guy who is one of the greatest players in the history of international soccer. So he will be a difference maker in Miami. He will be a difference maker for Major League Soccer in the United States. Uh, you know, it, it, it's it's just going to raise the... Uh, uh, the visibility of U.S. soccer a little bit more. Is it going to put the U.S. on, you know, uh, suddenly make them uh, world powers? No, because he's not going to play for the U.S. national team, you know. But maybe it inspires a couple of some, you know, some younger athletes to, to, to play soccer in this country that maybe wouldn't have ordinarily, if, if, you know, following in Messi's footsteps, so to speak, and maybe down the road it makes a difference. Right now it's not going to, but it is going to create some buzz around the uh, sport in this country, and that's not a bad thing. It's not my cup of tea, but if you are a soccer fan, it's exactly what you want. Uh, NBA last night, uh, the Nuggets beat the Heat last night, 109-94. to uh, The Nuggets take a 2-1 series lead. Look, this series is over. Uh, I know Miami won a game in Denver, uh, and Miami has had a hell of a run in the playoffs. I mean, it, you cannot you, – Say what you want. This is an eight seed that barely got into playoffs and almost got bounced out in the play-in round. Uh, But they lose last night, and this was really never a game. And we had something happen last night that has never happened in a game before. Not in the regular season, not in the playoffs, and definitely never in the NBA Finals. Two guys last night for the Denver Nuggets had 30-point triple-doubles in the same game. Uh, Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray became the first teammates in NBA history to both record triple-doubles in the same game. Jokic with 32 points, 21 rebounds, and 10 assists. Let me repeat that. 32 points, 21 rebounds, 10 assists. Jamal Murray had 34 points, 10 rebounds, 10 assists. Those two guys had 31 rebounds between them. The Miami Heat had 33 as a team. They damn near out-rebounded the, the other team. Those two guys combined for 20 assists. That's exactly how many Miami had for the entire game. It's crazy. Jokic is the best player in basketball, I mean, it's not, and it's not close he just does whatever he wants it's just unreal this guy so uh they are now up 2-1 they win in Miami they're going to win in Miami this weekend they will take this in 5 and uh it just dominance and uh, just to take nothing away from Miami and and look jimmy you know jimmy butler did everything he could last night he had 28 uh Bam Adebayo had 22 points, 17 rebounds. Look, they did what they could do. But this Denver Nuggets team is just too good. Too good. So it was, uh, a, a, you know, just dominance. I watched the, uh, the second half of this game last night because the Red Sox were just brutal. Uh, so I watched the second game, of, uh, the second half of this last night, and uh, uh, it's all over but the shouting. It's 30 minutes past the hour. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll talk about last night's baseball action and the debacle that the Red Sox are. It's just, uh, you know, I mean, it was nice that they won the night before. And then last night, all the good feeling that I had and the confidence I had going into game two of this series just went right out the window. Back in a minute. You're listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It's 33 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the Wake Up Call here on a Thursday morning. Uh, so the Red Sox last night, uh, as, as encouraging as... Uh, Tuesday night's game was last night was just disheartening. Um, The bats kind of went silent again, but the big thing was the defense. Once again, the Red Sox defense let them down. Um, Three errors last night, all in the same inning. Uh, Just look, they've made 43 errors this season. Forty-three errors in sixty-two games. <laughs> you, look, I don't care what sport you play. At the end of the day, one of the one of the biggest one of the biggest slogans uh, I remember was when I was playing basketball when I was younger, and we had a sign in the locker room. And it said, "Defense wins championships." And and I I one hundred percent agree. It's something that when I got into my coaching career, um, in basketball, I preached defense. Play, you know, look, offense will usually take care of itself. And I think with the Red Sox bats, that will take care of itself. But at the end of the day. If you can't play defense and you constantly give your opponent freebies, you are not going to be successful. And the Red Sox continue to shoot themselves in the foot game after game after game with these errors. You know, the one that was frustrating last night um, was (laughs) – was a ball, and, and by the way, I didn't necessarily agree. They gave an error to Tristan Casas on a ball hit to first base that I thought was hit pretty hard, uh, and they, they charged him with an error. But the ball then ricocheted out to Emmanuel Valdez, who was playing second base. And uh, he ends up getting to the ball. They had a chance to get it out at first base, and he tries to underhand a ball, and he throws it, you know, Three feet over the head of Tristan Casas, and that's not easy to do. And then in the same inning, uh, Rafi Devers mishandles a, a ground ball and uh, opens the floodgates. Cleveland scores a couple of runs, and the game is over. The Sox are down 5-2, and, and you just you, – it limits what you can do offensively after that because, you know, when you get somebody on base, you're not going to necessarily hit and run. You're not going to steal. You know, when you're down a run, you have to be a little bit more conservative on the base pass. So it it changed the, the complexion of that game completely. And it's frustrating to watch this game after game. And I have to ask, if you're Alex Cora and you got Christian Arroyo back, What the hell is Valdez doing playing second base anyway? This is a guy that's known as a bat-first kind of guy. He's not a defensive wizard. What's he doing in there? Why isn't Christian Arroyo playing second base? Or, uh, you know, why isn't Kike uh, Hernandez playing second base? You know, I mean, it is a, a, a fair question. You know, if you're Alex Cora, you've got to look at this at this point. Now, you know, you might want to be putting out. Okay, I got to figure out my best order here, my best batting order. I got to figure out where the runs are going to come from. But when you've got guys, you know, that aren't great defensive players to begin with, why are you not saying, okay, I've got to, I've got to change this? And you say, well, Kike was playing shortstop. Okay, fair enough. All right, that's fine. But you still have Christian Arroyo there. Why isn't he at second base? You know, uh, at some point, the Red Sox are going to have to make a decision with Rafi Devers. Is he a better defensive player this year than he has been in the past? Yes, but he's still making too many errors. Most of them are throwing errors. Last night he just butchered this ball and to make it worse he's not hitting which is makes it you know it's 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 brutal he's hitting 246 now after getting two hits last night he's still only hitting 246 after signing that that huge contract you know he needs to start living up to that but at the end of the day like i said the hitting will take care of itself i expect Rafi devers is going to start hitting but they've got to look at their defense and say what is our best defensive lineup not What's our bet? Who's going to score them? How are we going to score the most runs? We've got to look at how, how are we going to stop other teams from scoring runs? Um, You know, getting Adam Duvall back is going to help some. Uh, Masha Yoshida, who's as as well as he is hitting, is not a great left fielder. They could play him more at DH. It might be time that Christian Casas finds his way to the bench. He's hitting 194 62 games into the season, and I'm a big fan of this kid, and I, I hope he figures it out. I like his approach. I love his his patience at the plate, his willingness to take walks. But at some point, you're going to have to look at that and say, Would Justin Turner be a better first baseman? Would Raffy Devers be a better first baseman than the third baseman? You know, wh- you know, with 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 Duvall coming back, you could then take. Turner playing more at first base. Is he a better first baseman than Casas? I don't know. I suspect he might be. I don't know. Um, but put Yoshida in, in at the designated hitter spot a lot because Duran can play left. Adam Duvall can play left. Kike Hernandez is a, a, a his best position is center field, and Christian Arroyo's got to play at second base every day or Yu Chang when he comes back. Trevor Story will be back in a month. That's going to solve everything. The problem with the Red Sox is, is if you don't figure this out now, by the time Trevor Story comes back, you might be have buried yourself. Now, you know, look, the sky isn't falling. They're still at 500. They're 31 and 31. But they're 13 games back of the Rays. The most important thing is they're five games back of the wild card. That's nothing. 62 games. We still have 100 games to play. So five games out of the wild card is doable. And that means they've got to stay ahead of the Houston Astros. The Astros are struggling right now. And the Red Sox are only five games behind the Yankees. The Red Sox can help themselves out a lot this weekend when they go to play the Yankees, and they're going to get a break in that uh, uh, Aaron Judge is not going to be playing. But they've got to figure out this defense. And Alex Cora is frustrated. You can see it on his face. You know, and he's talked about you know we've got to be better defensively, and you know, but right now this, I don't even know if they have the pieces to be a good defensive team. Kike Hernandez has to play center field. Period. Get him off a shortstop. He's got to play center field. I know we're in a little bit of a tight spot right now because of the situation with uh, with Trevor Story, so you, you don't have as much flexibility. But put you when Yu Chang comes back, and supposedly he'll be back next week. He's going to play through the weekend through Worcester. Put him at shortstop. He's better than Kike at shortstop. Kike may have some range to be able to get the things, but he he makes so many bad throws, so many, and he is an elite center fielder. So get him in center field, and then rotate Duval and and uh, Jaren Duran in left field. Have Yoshida and Turner and Devers, you know. Maybe Casas and those four guys just rotate out between first, third, and DH. Everybody gets a chance to play, you know. But they have got to get this defense squared away. They are not going to be successful and make the playoffs if they don't. Um, they'll finish out the series today. Aaron Savali, kid from Connecticut. Uh, went. Uh, he's from East, East Windsor, Connecticut. Uh, my old buddy Dan, uh, Dan Nason was uh, his Little League coach uh one on one with a 2.04 ERA will make his second start. He missed 2 months of the season with a left oblique strain. Uh he is going to be making his second start uh since coming back and uh, Matt Dermody is going to be starting for the Red Sox. Who? That's right. Uh you're right. Uh, nobody knows who this guy is. He's he's pitched 30 games in the big leagues, none for the Red Sox. Uh but he's down in Worcester. He's got a 4.50 ERA in Worcester. Uh you know, so a defense going to be even more important today because it's not like he's coming up and he's going to shut down the Cleveland Indians. Um, so, you know, look, Duval will be back on Friday against the Yankees. Uh, one good thing out of yesterday, by the way, Chris Murphy. And I said, you know, yesterday on the show, I said, geez, I hope Murphy's better with the Red Sox than he was in Worcester. He had an ERA of damn near eight in Worcester. Comes in and pitches three and a third shutout innings yesterday. Uh, in his Major League debut, which was a, a really cool thing to see. Uh, struck out five in those three and a third. Uh, walk one, gave up a couple of hits. And uh, it was great. That was great to see. Um, you know, I don't know what, how sustainable is that. I don't know. But it was, you know, look, it was nice to see a lefty come in and get some outs because the Red Sox lefties have struggled with that. Uh, Joey Rodriguez, when they had him there, my God, he was a dumpster fire. Um, so... You know, we won't see Murphy for a day or two because he'll need some time off. Uh, the Red Sox also announced that the Chris Sale is not going to get any more testing done until next week, and as I said yesterday, that makes me very, very nervous. It's The radio silence from Boston on the Chris Sale situation, uh, it, to me, is not a good sign. And it makes me wonder um, if they're in behind the scenes not trying to make some kind of a deal for a pitcher somewhere and whether that means – uh, Bobby Dalbeck, who is tearing up Worcester or Jaron Duran or somebody that something tells me they' they're trying to do something uh, behind the scenes without the news coming out that Chris sale is going to be gone for the rest of the year because then the Red Sox obviously are more desperate and then the price goes up. So uh, but we'll see. Uh, guess what? The Rays won again last night. Shocking, I know. They beat the Minnesota Twins two to one last night after shutting them out, seven nothing uh, the night before. Uh, Tampa pitching does it again. They hold Minnesota, uh, I think, to just uh, four hits in the game, and they win two-one. Randy Arozarena a home run to lead off the ninth inning, and the uh, Rays win yet again. Forty-five and nineteen, they continue to dominate at home. Twenty-eight and six in the Trop, they have a six and a half game lead now. Uh, over the Baltimore Orioles. The Orioles got spanked by the Milwaukee Brewers yesterday, ten to two. Uh so the Orioles uh in a bit of a funk right now. They've lost six of ten, two in a row, and uh, they fall six and a half back. And uh Milwaukee uh getting it cranked up. One seven out of ten. They've stretched their lead in the National League Central now to a game and a half uh and starting to play the way they're supposed to. Carbon Burns with a A solid outing last night, struck out nine, uh, allowed just two hits, didn't walk anybody. Uh, His last three starts, he has been dominant for the Brewers. Uh, He's given up just eight hits and four runs in 21 innings in his last three starts uh, with 24 strikeouts during that stretch. So uh, they will finish the the Orioles and the Brewers will finish that series today. Uh, It'll be uh, Kyle Bradish getting a start for the Orioles. Against uh, Colin Ray for the Milwaukee Brewers. It is 45 minutes past the hour. We're going to take one more break. We're back in a minute. You're listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It is 48 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the Wake Up Call here on a uh, Thursday morning. So uh, in the American League East, the Toronto Blue Jays uh, heating it up a little bit. They uh, won their second straight game over the Houston Astros. They win three to two. Toronto now. Has won eight of 10. Uh, they have climbed to within a game and a half of the Yankees. Uh, they are seven games over 500. Chris Bassett last night comes off the paternity list uh, two runs, four hits, and five strikeouts over eight innings. Uh, he has now won back to back starts, seven and four, uh, looking like uh, maybe the best free agent signing that the Toronto Blue Jays made in the offseason. Um, and Jordan Romano picks up his 16th save. Uh, for the Blue Jays, so they have won eight of ten. Actually, they've won nine of the last uh, twelve. So, and Bassett uh, seven and three with a two four zero ERA in his last twelve starts. It so got roughed up a little bit in his first couple of starts, but he has really turned it around. Jose Altuve returned to the Astros lineup after missing four games uh, with an oblique problem. Went zero for four in the game last night, but uh, the Toronto Blue Jays. Um, Get uh, home runs last night uh, from Bo Bichette and Brandon Belt, and they end up beating the Houston Astros 3 to 2. So the Astros um, now four and a half games behind the Texas Rangers. The Rangers lost yesterday, uh, but uh, they maintain their four and a half game lead. Houston in a little bit of a skid right now, five and five. They've lost two straight, and uh, they will finish up that series today. Jose Barrios will get the start for the Toronto Blue Jays, and it'll be Framber Valdez, who has been great for Houston. He's only got a 6-4 and four record, but he has an ERA of 2.15, which is kind of shows you the struggles that the Astros have had uh, scoring runs this year. Uh, things are getting hot in New York. That seat that Buck Showalter is sitting on right now has got to be warm as hell. The Mets lose again last night. They lose to the Atlanta Braves 7-5. The Mets have now lost five in a row. They hadn't lost five in a row since 2021. They have lost seven of the last ten. They are two games under 500. They are seven and a half back of the Braves. And this is a team that spent $350 million on their payroll this year. Max Scherzer. Five and two-thirds innings, 11 hits, five runs. Struck out 10, didn't walk anybody, but he gave up 11 hits and five and two-thirds last night. Uh, not what you're looking for. Charlie Morton wasn't great for Houston, uh, but he got a lot of help last night uh, from the bats. And uh, there was one incident in this game. Morton hit Pete Alonso with a 96-mile-an-hour fastball. Um uh, and, uh, knocked Alonzo from the game. And this was a night after Pete Alonzo had hit a big home run, uh, after he hit a home run off of Bryce Elder and he yelled, throw it again, throw it again, please. And so when Morton hit Alonzo, a lot of people thought that maybe, uh, that was intentional. Well, it wasn't. Charlie Morton actually made a point of finding Alonzo after the game and apologizing, you know, and Alonzo said to the appreciated, he said, uh, you know, he said, uh, you know, people were speculating about this and that, but he, he said, I want to clear it up. Uh, he said, you know, he said, Chuck's a good guy, and he and he, didn't, he didn't call for it. So uh, it just happened to get hit on an up-and-in fastball stuff happens. So that's good to see. But Michael Harris, the big hero for the Atlanta Braves last night, uh, a two-run home run off of Adam Adovino in the eighth inning, and the Braves have now won four in a row. And uh, they have kind of taken control of the National League East. The Miami Marlins, though, do keep pace. They beat the Kansas City Royals last night 6-1. to And, again, no, uh, no uh, groundbreaking news there. Outside of the Oakland Athletics, the Kansas City Royals are the worst team in baseball. Kansas City is now 18-44. and uh, The big news in this game, Louisa Rice, of course, who came over from the Minnesota Twins two more hits last night he is now hitting 403 403 this is a guy who has won a batting title in the American League you know it, a lot of people a lot of eyebrows got raised when he got traded but they did it for pitching and it, I think it's going to work out for both teams but arise is hitting over 460 games into the season look uh you know and of course now people want to start speculating is he gonna you know is he is he gonna hit 400? Is he gonna be the first guy to hit 400? No, he's not gonna hit 400. I just don't think it's possible in this day and age. I don't. Um but what a story. What a what a great story. Uh so Arise continues to pound uh Edward Cabrera, the uh uh pitcher for the Miami Marlins. That's the, and that's the thing with the Marlins is you know, it's great what Arise is doing, but this Marlins team This Marlins rotation is really good. Cabrera last night, five innings, just two hits, uh, one run, struck out four. Got in a little bit of trouble in the sixth inning. They got him out of there. The bullpen, four shutout innings. They do a great job, and uh, they end up winning this game. Jordan Lyles, by the way, takes the loss for the Royals. Jordan Lyles this season, ladies and gentlemen, is 0-10. (laughs) 0-10. 6.84 And 10, 6.84 ERA. And it tells you where the Royals are at when you are, you know, 18 and, and whatever, and you got to throw out a guy like this and allow him to run up an O and 10 record. That is absolutely brutal. The good news for the Royals, they don't play today. <laughs> they got the day off, uh, and then they get to play the Baltimore Orioles starting on Friday. The Marlins also off today. Uh, they take on the Chicago White Sox in a series that starts uh, on Friday. Uh, the Rangers, I mentioned, lost last night. They lose one nothing to the St. Louis Cardinals. John Gray pitched great. Pitched a complete game for the Texas Rangers. Threw 100 pitches. Nine innings, four hits, a run. Struck out 12, didn't walk anybody, and lost. Yikes. Jack Flaherty uh, gets the uh, uh, first six innings, throws six shutout innings, uh, uh, Jordan Hicks ends up getting the uh, uh, the win with a scoreless seventh inning, and uh, Helsley picked up his seventh save of the season. Uh, it was Burleson uh, with a home run off of Gray in the seventh inning. That was the only run of the game, and the St. Louis Cardinals, who have struggled mightily to win games this year, win last night uh, by a final of 1-0. The Dodgers lose again. Uh, they have now lost four in a row. The Cincinnati Reds, folks, beat them 8-6. This Reds team, you know, I don't want to go overboard and say they're for real, but, you know, they're 29-33. and 33. They're only four games under five hundred. This is a team that uh, has been buried for a long, long time, and there is some hope in what you see in Cincinnati this year. Ellie De La Cruz, who just came up from the minor leagues a couple of games ago, hit his first major league home run in this one. Uh, Hit it off of Noah Syndergaard in the first inning. Left the bat at 115 miles an hour. Noah Syndergaard, uh, who said in an interview recently that he would give up his theoretical first child to get his old form back. Uh, It doesn't look like that's his child. His future child is in no danger because he got roughed up last night uh, and the Dodgers lose 8-6. So the Dodgers now... Two games behind the Arizona Diamondbacks, who win again yesterday. The Diamondbacks have now won 8 of 10. Dodgers, two back. San Francisco, five and a half back um, after the uh, Giants beat the Rockies last night. And the San Diego Padres beat the Seattle Mariners last night, uh, 10 to 3. Michael Walker, remember him, Red Sox fans? Six shutout innings for the Padres last night, but we couldn't afford to re-sign him. Struck out seven, walked one. Two hits, no runs. He is now 6 and 2 for the San Diego Padres. How much does that one hurt? Uh, The Padres now still trying to find their form. They are still four games under 500. Another team that has spent a boatload of money like the Mets. Well, nowhere near what the Mets have spent, but spent a boatload of money and got a lot of stars and still four games under 500. That's going to do it for us here this morning. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of the Wake Up Call. It's Bonnie Tyler's 72nd birthday today. Uh, Bonnie Tyler, a... uh, had a couple of hits back in the uh, 1970s here's her biggest one it's called it's a heartache we'll see you tomorrow you've been listening to the wake up call on sports country